The yoga, I think, really seals the deal because it lengthens the body, it strengthens the body, it tunes you into your breath. And that right there is one thing I found, especially with swimming, the, the breathing practice I was, I was doing three times a week in yoga actually helped me and my anxiousness in the water and my ability to rise to, the, to receive the potential that I had in the pool. And it, it started to show through that, yeah, I'm already at a good level, it's just you need to get your breathing under control because your mind your mind's unraveling. So the time in yoga allows you to not only work the body, but the mind. Welcome to episode 124 of the YTP. We are BJ and Jess, and through Yogi Triathlete, we're on a mission to create a better world. Hell yeah. Today we're bringing you our September installment of Ask the YTs, and we've got lots of great questions to dive into. Thank you guys so much for sending in your inquiries and for supporting the show. If you've heard this podcast before, then you know we have a community of support on patreon.com forward slash yogi triathlete. I want to thank Abby and Janine who are our latest to make a pledge and let us know that the show must go on. And it will. Currently, we're at 20% of our monthly goal. And I'm going bold today to challenge all of our current patrons to double their support through the end of the year. And if you find on January 1st that you are still able to put food on your plate, new chains on your bike, shoes on your feet, and a little fun in your life, then we're going to ask you to keep that amount. You have no idea how much your support means to the life of this show. So thank you all for tuning in, showing up, and supporting this project of purpose. So without further ado, let's get on with the purpose of today's show, which is to get to the bottom of your questions. And I want to welcome Beej. I'm totally psyched you're here. Beach is our head coach. And I feel like you're in competition with me for head yogi because your mindfulness game is on point. So say hello to everyone. And then why don't you just dive in with our first question? Hello, everyone. And it's funny you mentioned that because in the yoga class today, I said, I uh, described a little bit about yogi triathlete and how it started and how my wife is the yogi and I was the triathlete and we came together and we we're boom, like killing it. But now we look at it and... I'm actually somewhat a yogi. I mean, I'm a yoga teacher. You're full yogi, yogi dude. You're full yogi. And you're ultra runner. So we might have to change this to Yogi Triathlete Ultra Runner LLC. Too confusing. <laughs> it's yeah. Yogi Triathlete, baby. That's what it's been from the start. And, you know, it's funny. Actually, before it became Yogi Triathlete, it was the Yogi Triathlete. Remember those days when I it was do. the Yogi Triathlete? I would, yeah. And I was always so conflicted on that because I was like, the Yogi Triathlete is not me. It's everyone. And it's not just triathletes. It's anybody who's wearing this vehicle of a physical body because to play the game of this multi-sport life, right? Everything that we have to juggle, that is a Yogi Triathlete to me. And Everybody's a Yogi Triathlete. And you're Yogi... You're Juggling could be waking up, getting the kids breakfast ready, dropping them off at school, going to work, picking them up, getting a workout in, and then somehow making a high vibe meal for your whole family only to do it again the next day. Without feeling like a total victim that people <laughs> always need something from you. It's the warrior path, man. And I, and I want to really, you know, hammer that home that I really do believe that everybody is a yogi triathlete because we do have a lot of listeners that are not triathletes and, or ultra runners or marathoners. And I love that because it really is showing us that our intention with this podcast, which is just to create more connection by making us realize that through the stories that we share, that we are more similar than different. And just because 
I'm running on the trails and maybe somebody's just trying to get a routine of walking to the end of the street and back doesn't mean that we're different. All right, dive in right, with first the first question. question. Getting down to business. Banging it out. Coming from Susanna. Yeah, what's up? All right, this question is a reference to a workout. So I'll, I'll describe the, I'll read the question first and then we can bring in the workout session. And Susanna is a Team YT athlete. Yes, she is. Kicking serious butt. Tail. <laughs> Tail. <laughs> All right, question. I always wonder, and maybe a good question or discussion for the Ask the YTs, is it better to stop and rest in order to hit all of your interval paces correctly or better to not stop but not hit all the prescribed paces? For example, if I hit all the 6.30 to 7-minute paces but the minutes in between couldn't get under 8 minutes, if I stopped to rest, I think I could have reach those intervals and if i pushed extra hard to hold under the eights i wouldn't have been able to hit the 630 to seven minute paces for more than two to three reps i usually go with that i wouldn't stop during a race so i try not to stop during a workout unless there was a prescribed rest period of course okay so what was what was the workout so the workout i think a lot of this has to do with what the workout is what the purpose of the workout is and where they are in their their training block Right? Yeah, I would agree. Absolutely. Cool. So it was a fartlek run. So this is a, a, she was supposed to warm up for 20 minutes at a certain pace, you know, somewhat easy, and then do 10 times one minute at 6.30 to seven minute pace, and then one minute at eight minute pace, no slower. So the rest of the run is all easy. And you're bouncing back from a race pace or a slightly faster than race pace to a slower pace that doesn't give you enough recovery. And this So it's kind of like workout, a would you say it's like a like a top of Z2 bottom Z3 is that kind of not so recovery pace? Right, yeah. And before you go any further, what is the purpose of this kind of toggling back and forth between these paces because it's not a huge difference, so it seems like there's some like attention to detail that needs to happen. What's the purpose behind doing that with your athletes? So we want them to hit, I want them to hit that 6.30 to seven minute pace. That's the key. Like okay. I, I want them to, to, to be more comfortable at that pace. Now that 10 times can increase to 15, 16 times to 20 times. Like I want to increase the number of minutes that they're running at this particular pace. So just so you know, Susanna, there will be a point where you have to do this 20 times. Of course, of course there is. <laughs> This is only the start. So you, you hit that pace and then you back off. And basically you give your body and your mind, more importantly, just a little bit of recovery time. Yeah, and but it, it's not a lot. So it's kind of a mind messer. It is. So, so I could get, say, take, take it down to nine minute pace and you'd be totally recovered. You'd be like, oh, I feel fresh. But I don't want you to be totally recovered. I'm, we're trying to tax the system so it understands that it can hit this pace over and over and over again. And eventually, eventually, this strings together so that you can do five minutes at 6.30 to 7-minute pace. You can do intervals of 10 minutes at 6.30 to 7-minute pace. So this is a primer to get your body ready. And, and this is how I work it. So get your body ready to absorb the longer sessions at that particular pace, which will mimic what your race pace effort is. And I like that it's like the backing off pace is still, it's not a full recovery because it allows you to find 
or it really forces you to be successful to find a relaxation within that not so recovery pace. It's almost like that central governor will kind of kick in in a way that says, I need to fully recover. I can't like, I can't hold this pace. My heart's beating too fast. I need a full recovery. But we're saying, we're saying we want to train that. We want to train the neural pathways in the brain for a new mindset of you can back off and you're still fine with present moment awareness. You realize that you're always fine in a moment. Yeah. So what I find with this workout to your point is that they do the first, first or second or third interval. And then they're already thinking about getting to number 10. How am I going to get to number 10? I should stop now. Right. Okay. And this is also pertains to her question. Like, do yeah. you stop? So you're not hitting the paces. Do you stop or do you continue? So what do you do? So in this instance where she was in relation to where her a race was for this event, she was, she wasn't too close. So okay. this is further away. So she had, so this is a time where, yeah, you want to hit that pace, the 637. And then if you need to back off on the recovery, you back off on the recovery. So if you do need to go to a nine minute pace, you go to a nine minute pace. Let's say if this race, if this workout was closer to race day, I probably wouldn't give it closer to race day. It's not a session I usually give. But or you it, wouldn't give it this big. I wouldn't give it this big. If this was closer to a race, like two or three weeks, and the athlete is not hitting those times, that could be a sign that they're over fatigued or not rested enough. They're not recovering enough. And that's when you just bag the workout. That's when you would want her to stop. So in this particular situation, you wanted her to continue and get the rest that she needed because the point of the workout was to hit the 637 minute pace. Exactly. Cool. And eventually, and I put this in her notes, eventually you'll be able to do this workout. Eventually you'll be able to do this. You, You bounce back and forth, you bounce back and forth. So this is perfect because Susanna is doing a workout tomorrow. She's got a race in two weeks, a marathon. So her workout is going to be structured. The main meat of the workout, the main set is three by two mile repeats at 630 by seven minute pace. So now we're, 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 bringing, we're bringing it together. So this is going to be, you know, anywhere from 12 and a half minutes to 15 minutes, somewhere in there. She'll be doing these straight out efforts. But the rest in between is full standing rest. And it's prescribed to be five minutes, but you could take longer rest depending on how you feel. We're two weeks out from a race. In this particular situation, you want to hit these intervals. There's three of them. You want to hit these as best you can. And whatever rest you need to hit those intervals, you take that. Because it's like right now you're capitalizing on her fitness as whereas before with this other workout, you were building the fitness. Exactly. Cool. And testing the mind, like testing the mind in that instance that you can hold this pace for more than a minute. Now she's got, now it's grouped together. So she's going to be holding this for, for a long time. Now she's a really good runner, right? And, and the clap and the course that she's running super flat. So this is a super good test. She's got to run on a flat surface, preferably to really simulate what's going to happen on race day. So these are the paces we want to hit, whatever it takes to hit them at this point and then rest. The next two days after this will be rest. Like we let it all soak up. So this is the frosting on the cake. This yeah. is that frosting. Yeah. This is the top tier. And that's why the periodized training is so important. It's like right now you're not trying to wring her out and build her fitness. Like that would just make her crash and burn. You're capitalizing on the fitness that she's built over time. And that's why a little bit every day over a long period of time is the recipe for success, whether that's mental training or physical training. All right, cool. Let's, uh, let's move on.
Telsis, what's up, girl? I'm a 43-year-old single mom. My cycles are wacky. So this is a question for me, but I also want to bring BJ in on this because as my coach and husband, he's very much in tune with my cycles. So her cycles are wacky, always have been, nothing new there. However, in the week leading up to it, my energy gets drained like never before. It doesn't take me much to wake up and get out of bed, out of bed and train long and hard. Like, I am awake and ready. She's very self-motivated, but during those weeks, she's zapped, drained, super shaky about my resolve to get the training done. And I'd like to hear from a longtime seasoned triathlete like yourself, how do we overcome that? And is this what it means that as we age, we slow down a bit and on and on? I'm only improving my times on my non-zapped days. So I know it's possible to get faster while getting older, but things are changing in my body. And I'd like to hear about others' experiences and even pro athletes, how they are doing it. So If anybody wants to chime in after listening to this about your experience, let's get a dialogue going about it because let's not pretend that every female athlete out there isn't having to deal with PMS and cramps and energy changes. We are literally once a month shedding the lining of an organ in our body. Like it's insane what happens during our cycles. And I actually wrote a blog post about this gosh, well, we were still in Rhode Island called The Bloody Truth. And I'll link to that because at least at that time, it was my experience. And I believe my mindset around it has changed a bit, but it was my experience of during that time of really training through these cycles in our, in our lives and our, our monthly cycles as we continue on as athletes. So what I can tell you is that I love your question, how do we overcome it? Because we're athletes, we want to keep training, right? We want to keep getting better. We want to, we want to, like, we don't want this interruption every month. We want to overcome it. But the fact is, we cannot overcome the miraculous wisdom that the body has to shed the lining of an organ every month. I mean, this is insane what the body does. Spiritually thinking and and mindfully and laws of the universe and all of that. When if we want to overcome something, it's like we're not accepting what is. So we're we're in resistance. And I have been in resistance too, because it's like, God, I want to get my training done, but I'm literally in the fetal position and I can't move. So for me, it's different every month. And I don't assume that I know what it's gonna be like. So the belief system that every month that your energy gets drained like never before and that your times aren't getting hit are belief systems that are based on past evidence. So I would challenge you to change your belief system and meet every month in the way that it's showing up in truth. I I want you to marinate on that a little bit, Telsis. You have a belief system that your energy gets drained. The belief is what drives the physical evidence in the universe. So if we change our belief, we're going to change the physical evidence that shows up in our experience. So I used to do the same thing. And I think this blog post that I wrote is very representative of of that, where I talked about how every month I have crippling pain from cramps and things like that. Well, 
I realized that that belief system was based on past evidence. And if I continued to perpetuate that belief system, I continued to repeat the experience every month. Then I challenged myself to change that belief system by just receiving that cycle in the present moment and realizing that I was actually more fine than that belief system was leading me to believe. To answer your question, how I navigate it is I navigate it in presence. And what I've realized since changing that mindset is that actually every month is different. And some months it's intense, but I don't let that be my story. And some months it's like not intense at all. And it's because I'm just meeting it in the moment of right now. The other thing that I do is that I surrender to the wisdom of the body and I really listen. And for example, last weekend was one of the weekends where it was very intense. And Sunday, I didn't train. I took the day off, whereas Sunday is usually my long run. So my weekly mileage was quote unquote sacrificed, but my body as it's shedding the lining of an organ, which is insane, needed rest and recuperation and it needed space to do its thing. It doesn't care that I have the North Face Challenge on November 17th. It doesn't care that I'm going to do a 50 mile race in 2019. It does not care. It does its cycle with its beautiful wisdom, whether it's we think that it's wacky or not, whether we think it's on schedule or not. My advice to you is just to meet the moment of now. So Everything that we teach around mindfulness and mental training and meditation is all steeped in our ability to be present and deepening that experience with the present moment. And when I deepened my experience with the present moment, I can tell you that my whole relationship to what happens every month has changed. And because of that, I've seen that the experience is actually brand new every month and it's very different every month and is not as crippling as it used to be. I want to hand this over to BJ because I want to get his perspective on like hit the importance of hitting times during this time when our body is doing this incredible function and how important is that in the grand scheme of what our goals are. I think listening to your body trumps everything. It's sending you feedback. It's saying, whoa, like I got some stuff to do here right? It's going to take me a few days. It may be intense. It may not be. And that gives you the ability, right? It gives you the ability as a type A athlete, like someone who's maybe consumed with times and, and data, like to just, to just sit back and absorb it all and be okay that you will come back. And guess what? It's going to happen the next month and the next month, right? So as we age, this is good too. As we age, in my experience, working with athletes this way as well, as well as myself, you need to take more rest time, more rest time in between those hard sessions. So if rest means running, you know, a 45 minute easy jog, or if it means sitting up in bed for the whole day, just legs up that, and that's what rest means to you that day, then that's what you do. And then when you, when you come back, your, your ability to hit those harder, faster times should shine through. You should be able to do that. Your body's rested. 
but in the time of the body shedding its layer and, and working, working whatever it needs to work out inside, you need to give it that time. That's listening to your body. And the same goes for when you feel great during a race. This goes the same thing. When you feel great during a race, you go with it. You go with it. You listen to your body. Even though your mind is saying, oh, you know, I'm supposed to stick to these paces. I'm not sure if I can make it to the end. No, you will make it to the end. Back to your thing about beliefs. Believe you can make it to the end strong and stronger than you ever have. It's a belief and the body will follow. So the same works both ways. So it works both ways. And the power of the mind is so important. And just a little personal experience that I had two days before the Black Mountain 50K. Now I've been do, I've been an endurance athlete now for going on 14 years. And for some reason, I have been super lucky with my cycle and hitting races because I never know when it's going to come. And so it came two days before this 50K. And I would I noticed my mind being like, oh my God, you're going to have to deal with this on the race and you're going to have horrible cramps and you're going to have to pack all this ibuprofen and you're not going to be able to do the race. And I was like, whoa, just back up and just be right where you are. And then it was funny because on race day, I had like no cramps and it was like it totally disappeared because I wasn't creating that. What we focus on expands. So if I'm focusing on how during that time or that week leading up to it, so every woman is different as far as when she feels the effects of it, as the body's preparing to shed the lining, as the body is shedding the lining or recovering from that organ rejuvenation, it's so important to, to watch the mind really closely because what we focus on expands in our life. Let me just touch upon one more thing with the speed. Yeah. Also, as we age, our body has adapted to the sessions that we've done, the workouts. If you feel like your times are not getting faster, it's time to mix it up. Yeah, because they're actually, the, yeah, they're actually getting slower if they're not getting faster, right? Like, because <laughs> right. there's no stasis. There's no stasis. So you're, you're probably moving back. So that means, oh, well, I always do my long run on Sunday. What? A crazy idea. What if I do my long run on Saturday and back it up on Sunday with another run and make that run even longer? Or break up the Sunday run into two different runs, one in the morning, one in the evening and make the first run hard intensity and make the second run recovery. Like these are the things you start to explore to, to stimulate that, the response in your body to get the results that you're looking for. Yeah, and I think what's behind all of that is this, you know, keeping all channels open. And Telsis, I can tell you, girl, that keeping all channels open is the thing that, that is behind the awake and ready because we have to be awake and ready for everything, right? And that means welcoming all things. That means all channels open all the time. That means not getting stuck in belief systems that don't serve us. Okay, moving on, Abigail. I started training for 70.3s last year. I did three and was gearing up for St. George 70.3 again this year. She's been vegan for eight years and I would say I'm more plant-based whole foods. So it sounds like she's super healthy eater. And she just wants to fuel herself with the best nutrition possible. Wonderful. At the end of April, so April of this year, she had emergency stomach surgery because her lower intestine twisted, causing her colon to expand and almost rupture. That's intense. They had to remove five inches of her colon, untwist the intestine, and remove the appendix. She obviously didn't race St. George. That was a good decision. 
But since I was in good shape, recovery was not too bad. That's amazing. And by early June, she was back to training slowly at first, but felt that her fitness was bouncing back quick. Yoga has definitely helped a ton with the flexibility and movement in my stomach. However, I have had terrible acid reflux since July, and it is worse after a longer bike, three plus hours. And then when I try and run, I get terrible stomach pains. I've eliminated high acidic foods, tomatoes, lemon, sparkling water, and was taking licorice root extract tablets. My question is, do you know of any other athletes that suffer from this? And do you have any recommendations? So I will first say that I'm not a doctor. BJ's not a doctor. We're not naturopaths. We're not functional medicine experts. We're not any of those things. Um, and I actually don't know athletes that suffer from this yeah, I don't know to any, this degree, anybody. but I do have some suggestions for you. So I, I do know that with acid reflux, there's a misconception, and I'm not saying you have this, but there can be a misconception that there's too much acid in the stomach, but actually uh, a lot of times it's because there's not enough acid in the stomach. It's low stomach acid. And the stomach should be acidic, but we shouldn't feel it. And you're feeling it because what's happening is there's pressure and it's it's pushing up. And then you're feeling it into the esophagus and it's super uncomfortable. But I don't know if you've tried aloe vera juice or licorice root. It does sound like you were taking the licorice root. Slippery elm, marshmallow root. Those things can help with the stomach lining. What about lining. ginger? Ginger or even papaya. Remember papaya? Yeah, ginger, papaya enzymes. Um I'm not sure if you're working with a naturopath or an acupuncturist or any kind of holistic doctor. And why I say holistic doctor is because a holistic doctor is not going to draw a line between the mind and the body. So stress can also be something that can really affect this experience that you're having. And when I look at the emergency surgery and what your body endured, that is extremely stressful. So there could be stress trapped in your body that you're not even aware of. And with that, you know, I'm going to use the M word. I don't know if you're meditating, but getting that stress down through meditation will be huge. Now, also from a spiritual healing perspective, all illness disease, sickness in the body when it manifests physically is basically energy that's just been trapped and festered and is now expressing itself through the physical body. So not looking at this at all from a Western perspective, I'm looking at this from a spiritual perspective. When I look at acid reflux, I'm looking at the solar plexus, which is your power. I'm looking at the heart chakra, which is, you know, your your ability to be vulnerable and open and that there's nothing there where, you know, the love has been closed off. Um, when we talk about the colon and the intestines, we're looking at the sacral chakra, which is flexibility. It's our creativity. It really is where our spiritual energy is locked and loaded in the physical body. And so I would say working maybe with Reiki. So Reiki working to open up those chakras and getting things back into flow joining the M21 revolution and beginning a meditation practice, working with me one-on-one on on a meditation and healing 
a regimen I think would be extremely helpful because I can look at this from the physical standpoint, but if we're not cleaning up our energetic resonance, then it's just going to show up in a different form in the body. So I don't know if that's clear and it might sound like it's completely off the rails, but I look at all dis-ease in the body as a clear indicator of what's going on with us emotionally and mentally in our life. And the thing is, Abigail, is that you might not even know, like you might be like, wait, I have an amazing life. I'm, I love everybody. But there could be some things that are Deep, 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 down. deep yeah, in I can, there. I can, I can, I can and BJ, I think <laughs> BJ has really experienced this lately because, you know, one thing I always say about my husband is like when people go, I met your husband, he's great. I'm like, I always say to them, like, he's as nice as you think he is. He's so happy. He's so this and blah, blah. And, and even though he is all of those things, like I've always known BJ, like, oh man, like he's going to have, he's going to, as he continues to walk the spiritual path, he's going to have some, he's going to have some releases. And, you know, his horrific back injury that we've talked about before on the show that made him hit his rock bottom was the most amazing release and spiritual up-leveling that really got him on the path to meditation. Recently at Utah's Toughest, you hit your limits and had a huge release after that. And so we need to really clean up our act. And I... And I say with a hundred percent belief that we are all here to clean up this energetic resonance, this darkness and this energy and these traumas that are trapped within us and these old belief systems that just fester and they limit us in our life and they are adopted at a very, very young age and we don't even realize they're there. So I would highly recommend, because it seems like you're a smart Lady, you know, you're you're eating so healthy. Your intention is to fuel yourself with the best nutrition possible. And so I am really getting this strong intuitive hit, Abigail, that your answer is is not in keep doing what you're doing, but the the true healing is beyond the physical at this point. So if that interests you, I'm happy to entertain some email correspondence with you and just finding out what is your most comfortable next step, whether it's just starting your own meditation practice, joining M21, uh, or working with me one-on-one, whatever it is, uh, I'm here to support you. So I hope that was helpful, but there's no other way I can look at physical injury and things like that anymore because I understand that it's beyond the physical. It's metaphysical. It's the, the solution is not in the physical. And her, her physical fitness, her capacity at that time she was physically fit, was able to recover quickly. Yeah, she was best and now case she's, scenario. Yeah, best case scenario. Now you're back up and, and running. Now you're just, now it, it's the fine tuning. So physically, you know, your scorecard would be A+. plus. Like physically, you're A+. Plus. There's some stuff lingering though that's showing up that needs to be uh, released. Yeah, and I, so I, I agree. And to, so to even revert back to what I was saying to Telsus is just, it's watching the story watching how you describe this. Is it your acid reflex? I have acid reflex. I have, are you owning it? Because if you're focusing on it as something that is a part of your experience, it's going to expand, but we can treat it physically through 
through eating foods that agree with us, through getting good rest, through keeping our stress down. But if we're not changing the story, it's not going to go away. So it's, it's interesting. It's this fine balance. And we've worked with this with our own athletes. It's this really fine balance of like taking the logical steps physically, but doing that neutrality where you're not saying, oh, my ankle injury, my acid reflux. We're not making it ours because everything is neutral until we reach out and we say, ooh, I want this anxiety to be mine. And of course you would never say that you want anxiety to be yours, but that's what we do. But that's the that's what you're kind of like saying to the universe. You're not really saying it, but you're saying it. Every time we claim it, we're expanding it in our life. And putting hard lines on it. So saying, I'm going to do these workouts to get this result, or I'm going to start meditating with Jess because it's going to clear up everything. Oh, like, yeah. That's when you start to get into some, some suffering too, because now you're putting a hard limit on, on these expectations, these, these hard lines where if A plus B don't equal C, like if A and B don't happen, then I don't get to C. Like then, then things start to... So it's showing up to do the work for the sake of the work. Exactly. I mean, that's like, really what it boils down to. So it, it, that's perfect, BJ, because that's exactly what I'm saying. So like continue to eat the, the beautiful food that you're eating, continue to do the training, continue to do the things for the sake of doing the things and not doing them to get something from them. So that's doing the work for the sake of the work. That's, de- that's the essence of detachment watch your words really, really carefully. Watch the, be very selective about the people that you talk to about this because people love to talk about, the majority of our society loves to talk about the ailments and the, oh, I'm so sorry that you have this, right? And that makes you the victim and that doesn't, that takes your power, disempowers you. So you want to be really selective. Like, you want to talk to people about this who can be neutral about it, which I think very few people can do. So yeah, be so talk to us about it. Yeah. And, and it's an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity. When you get through this and you will, now you can share this with other athletes. Yes. Thank and you. then you can share the positive vibe that, yeah, I, I didn't have the answer, but I just kept moving forward without attachment. And I, and I came to my, I came to my Jesus moment. Like it, it happened. Like I, I healed. And And you can too. And this isn't happening by mistake. This isn't happening because you have bad luck. This isn't happening because, um, oh, well, this all, my training always gets disrupted. This is happening because this is something you are supposed to experience and get to the other side of. And I promise you, when you get to the other side, there's going to be somebody who needs you. They're going to need your service. So much of what BJ and I can speak to is because we have gotten, we've had those huge waves of life crash over us and we've gotten to the other side of them. So you, you are to become the teacher of this in some way. It's all serving a purpose and it's beautiful. It's this gorgeous experience that you're having. And oh my gosh, what if you adopted that mindset? This is a gorgeous experience that I'm having and just see where that takes you. So uh, reach out if you need more on this, girl. We, we got you. We're right by your side. Okay, moving on. Scott, plant-based health. What's up, guy? Love it. What are your thoughts on guided meditation apps like Headspace? Beach, what do you think? Because I know you've got some athletes that use it, and then I'll chime in. Yeah, and I actually used it myself briefly. I had a guided meditation. It wasn't Headspace. It was another program 
that was my entryway into sitting still and being with my thoughts. Although I will say having that voice speak to you, right? Coming over an app or you're, you're still not, you're still not sitting with your own thoughts. Like there's this, still this voice walking you through a process. And so I slowly moved my way away from an app. So to answer your question, I think it's a great entryway. It's a great entryway into meditation and to, to get into this amazing experience that you can have with yourself every day, sitting still with your thoughts, watching your thoughts go by and choosing to indulge in the thought or not indulge in the thought, like explore some thoughts that maybe keep coming up. Like that's what I, that's what I, I gravitated to having the Headspace app. It was kind of like a workout. It was like, okay, I've got 10 minutes to do on Headspace. I'm done. Check it off the box. Okay, move on to the next thing. Whereas meditation, when you sit there, let's just say meditation for 10 minutes, you do whatever you need to do. However, you know, you've set up, like I do a breathing practice and then I have time with my thoughts. When I'm done with that 10 minutes, I'm walking away with some clarity, whether that's clarity that I still need to come back and do more meditation or that, oh, that's it. That's how I need to respond to an athlete's question about a workout session. So I'm a big proponent of using whatever it takes to get you into the practice of meditation, but don't let that be the one that defines your practice moving forward. Have the detachment that we were just talking about, have the detachment to, to, to step away from an app or whatever you're using and just sit quietly with yourself, like lay the groundwork, lay the railroad tracks, get those down, and then be able to just step away and, and sit with your own thoughts in your, in your own time and marinate. Because if you're using Headspace or any pre-programmed uh, meditation app, you're, you're following their system. And their system may not be a, a match for you. And I know Headspace has different ones for performance and balance and whatever, calm, whatever it is. But there's no better way than a sitcom with yourself. Now, you may say the app is easy for me because I can just listen to it. I, I can turn my mind off. And I've heard that before. You don't want to turn your mind off. Like your mind is meant to think. So this is the exact reason why you need to be sitting in quiet with your thoughts to process them, to, to see them, to not judge them, to, to be okay with what comes down. And it may be over and over and over again, the same thought. That just means that you haven't come to an answer yet and you need to dig a little bit deeper. So yeah, I highly encourage apps, whatever it is. Calm, I think is another one. Headspace. And what, what do you think? I, I, think know they're, I think they're a great entryway. This is how I, I started with a 10-minute YouTube meditation, guided meditation on YouTube. I had no idea what I was doing. This was before Headspace. This is before, this is actually before apps. <laughs> and uh, I just found this YouTube meditation. Frankly, it was on abundance and I was trying to build a new business. And I was like, well, this seems like it, it works well. And um, that's how I started apps like Headspace and Calm are awesome. I think that they're a great entryway. And, you know, in the M21 revolution, we've got people in there that are like, I can't sit up. You know, that's one thing with meditation, you want to sit up. And they're like, I can't sit up. I just need to lie down. And we're like, great, lie down. Whatever your entry point is, just allow it to be there. Because 
creating a meditation practice is not difficult. What's difficult is breaking the habit of not meditating. So if Headspace is going to get you to meditate every day, then go for it. But what I have found with most people, especially in the M21 revolution or people that I work with one-on-one, is they get to a point where they're like, it starts to almost annoy them. So start with Headspace, start with Calm, start with whatever it is that feels right to you. And then just notice how things progress and be willing to let it go, maybe even just one day a week and work with a silent meditation. And in the M21 Revolution, we give guided meditations once or twice a week. I've got a few guided meditations up there that have a lot of silence. So they're like a meditation that you could do every day, but there's a lot of silence in there. So that could be something that you might be interested in, Scott. We do have other guys in the group. It's 21 bucks a month. It could give you, uh, we call it the keys to the kingdom. Like it's pretty amazing. We're doing a lot of mindset training in there. If Headspace is calling you, then go, then go there. And if, if quiet meditation is calling you, then go there. And if lying down when you meditate is calling you, then go there. And when you go there, be willing to listen to the shifts that need to occur for you to continue your growth. Okay, Liz. Thank you, Scott. What's the best thing you can do when you start feeling less than 100%? I love this question, <laughs> and I almost want to just keep it sup- my answer super incredibly simple. When we start feeling like we are less than 100%, whether that's physically or mentally, that is 100% a sign that we're not present. In the present moment, we are complete. We are whole. And in the present moment, there are no problems. So if we start to feel like we're not 100%, we're not in the present moment because the present moment is the only place we can be 100%. So come back. How would they come back? (laughs) I was going to ask you how. (laughs) I'm asking you how. Take one conscious breath. There you go. One conscious breath. And that doesn't mean that the feeling, like the muck, we call it the muck. The muck's not going to go away. The swirly energy is another name for it. It doesn't mean that that's going to go away right away, but it's going to mean that you're anchoring in to your full capacity so that you can sit in the muck. And that muck will fall away. It will lift away if we're not focusing on it, if we're not giving it our attention, because what we focus on expands. So if we focus on present moment awareness, we're focusing, we're expanding present moment awareness in our life. We're expanding being a hundred percent in our life. And this is so perfectly aligned with, let's just use running and when you're running and you're doing a hard set, you you feel like you're in the muck. You feel like, oh my God, my legs are torched. I'm not gonna be able to finish this set. This is so hard. You're in the muck. That's the very instance that you're not giving 100%. And if you come back to the breath, come back to your breath running and just embrace whatever you're feeling, now you're now you're working through the muck. That's where the work is. It's not about hitting a pace and getting fitter and you know, you, you clock the mileage for the week. It's about how you navigate those, that experience right there. Like that, that is where 
growth happens. Yes, it does. Okay. Thanks, Liz. Janine, how often per week do you recommend doing yoga as a part of an Ironman or 70.3 training program? It seems challenging to fit in swim, bike, run, plus strength training, plus yoga, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks so much. Janine, this is exactly why Yogi Triathlete exists, okay? I, when I was training with a coach who used to be a professional triathlete, I don't think this person is a professional triathlete anymore, and I expressed to them how much, and I loved the training plan, how much I wanted to have yoga on my plan every week, the response that I received was, well, when things get busy, yoga is going to have to be the first thing to go. And that's when I knew that we had to create a coaching business where yoga was a part of the plan. So every one of our athletes gets yoga on their plan because we know as, as seasoned athletes, if it's not on the plan, come on, people, let's face it. It's not, it's not going to consistently get done. It's not going to consistently get done. We're so busy. We are all so, our days are so full. We here at Yogi Triathlete would never expect you to, to do, we don't really want you doing more than what's on the plan, but we put on what we believe are the basics and yoga is the basics. We don't believe that triathlon is a, is a three sport discipline. So how do you do it, Janine? It might even be you writing down your daily schedule and, and then adding the yoga in. Like if you're somebody who likes that list and instead, I don't know if you use training peaks, I don't know if you're coached or if you're self-coached, but adding that in my, to answer your question about how often I have found the sweet spot with Ironman and 70.3 to be three times a week. And I'm going to have BJ speak to this too, because he's the one that's giving yoga to our athletes. But in the Haida Ironman training, you know, you know that part of Ironman training where you can't see where you started and you can't see the end. You're like in the dark tunnel, but you know the light is coming, but it's, it's not coming for a while. And you want to do yoga, but you have no time. 10-minute yoga, 15-minute yoga, 20-minute yoga. So helpful. If you go to our YouTube channel, there'll be a link in the show notes on the blog post for this episode. There's a 20-minute power flow. There's a 25-minute flow. There's like a 10 or 12 minute um, road trip flow of just opening the body. Um, Patreon has even more if you're a pay- I, Oh, actually, Janine, I think you're the Patreon. So Patreon, if you're $10 or more a month, you'll have access to the videos that are on there as well. So quick little bouts of yoga is going to be huge because yoga is not just stretching the body. It's strengthening the body. It's balancing the body. It's making you long where you're short, making you strong where you're weak. So what do you think, Beach? Well, first, yoga doesn't have to be the, and this is what maybe my own thoughts were, yoga was like you sit quietly and you stretch here and you stretch to the other side and you breathe a little bit. What The yoga that we teach and the yoga that I give our athletes is the power vinyasa flow. So it actually is a strength, strengthening yoga flow. So you actually could replace your strength. I wouldn't recommend it. I think the two have a good balance. But, but if push comes to shove. Push comes to shove. You take the yoga because the yoga is strengthening and opening. And it's allowing your mind, right? Your mind to be in the 
the flow without having to worry about hitting paces and and hard numbers and distance, right? You're, you're working on the body and recovering itself and strengthening itself to allow you to continue training. Okay, look at it as that way. Look at it as insurance, somewhat insurance, to, to help you to continue training so that you're not laid up or you, you get a niggle in your calf or your back. Because when you're not training, as athletes, we're not happy. Like, we, we're always... We're always in in the depression state when we can't train. We're like, oh my God, am I ever, ever going to get back out there? Which is all just a beautiful gift. Oh, it's such a gift. It's an opportunity. <laughs> opportunity to but heal. I, like, I prefer not to be like facing those opportunities right. too often. <laughs> so yoga definitely helps you. It, it helps well around you. I know swimming, biking, and running is a multi-sport activity. It allows you to go and to do three different sports. But the yoga, I think, really seals the deal because... It lengthens the body. It strengthens the body. It tunes you into your breath. And that right there is one thing I found, especially with swimming. The, the breathing practice I was, I was doing three times a week in yoga actually helped me and my anxiousness in the water and my ability to rise to, the, to receive the potential that I had in the pool. And it, it started to show through that, yeah, I'm already at a good level. It's just you need to get your breathing under control. Because your mind, your mind's unraveling. So the time in yoga allows you to not only work the body, but the mind. How many times a week you think? What I do think you do? Two to three times a week is pretty good. It's really good, actually. And it doesn't have to be 60 minutes. Like, it's not an all or nothing 60 minutes. I, I, I can't do yoga. Hop on one of our, you know, social mediums and do a, a short flow. Just get on your mat and flow for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Go rogue. Like, do a rogue yoga flow. There's no flow. You're just what whatever you're doing. You're you're bouncing around on your mat. Great, awesome. What I, a great what a great way to like like free flow, right? Right. And I did a I did a 45 minute thing on the mat the other day, which I'm gonna record and post for our team, but I'm also gonna post it on Patreon, where I did five minutes of core. I did 30 minutes of yoga and it was started pretty restorative nice and slow i did maybe a couple little power moves and then i did 10 minutes of foam rolling it was such an amazing 45 minute package core i got some strength and opening in the yoga and then i got the foam rolling so i just committed to that and i will commit to recording that this week and getting it up on patreon by the launch of episode 125 that's going to be up on patreon and it it was magic so I uh, hope that helped, Janine. Okay, last question. Carol, I need some ideas for whole food snack options. And do you two snack between meals? Yes. Yes. We snack between meals. We snack a lot. So I think the biggest thing is stocking the house with whole food plant-based options, healthy options. Because I'll tell you, my new addiction is moochies, which you can find at Trader Joe's. So I just, I want to get everybody addicted so then I don't feel alone anymore. You want everybody to jump on the moochie bed. Oh my God. So if there's moochies in the house, they're like salted Captain Crunch, right? So you get, you get punished because you get crunch mouth, you get like a sore jaw and you just can't stop eating them. The good thing about it is it comes in a small bag. Yeah. And they're like three sixty nine, right. So yeah. they're expensive and it comes in a small bag. So you kind of have to keep your moochie consumption in, in check. If there isn't moochies in the house, 
We've got bananas, we've got avocados, we've got apples, we've got walnuts, we've got cashews, we've got uh, carrots, we've got hummus. So all of those things are easy and we can snack on them. So it really is choosing to have a healthy snack. I love avocados. I think they, they do me really well before a run. They do me really, like when I was still biking, they do me really well before a bike. Bananas before a workout, handful of walnuts, not a huge handful, but you know, a small handful of walnuts in the middle of the day is going to give you such a nutrient dense bang. It's going to give you tons of protein. It's going to give you your omegas. I mean, these are just super simple ideas. And then if you have our cookbook, if you don't have our cookbook, you need to get our cookbook because we have we have a section in there called Gut the Munchies. And we have four Not really, moochies, munchies. Yeah, I got the, yeah, no, <laughs> get the moochies and then get the cookbook and then get the munchies. And we have four snacks in there that are really good uh, that include yams and some edamame and a little avocado situation and a little yummy, savory carrot situation. And these are all super whole food, nutrient dense, really healthy snacks. The options are limitless. We've been getting cucumbers lately from the Oh my God, cucumbers with a little salt and pepper yeah. on them or dip them in hummus. We love hummus. We always have hummus on hand. We, we fly through hummus. <clears throat> so you're getting the chickpeas and the hummus. Or you're getting the protein. You get the cucumber. You're getting uh, the hydration. You know, it's, I love those kinds of, I love just super simple. I don't have a lot of time to be making like a big fancy snack on a platter and make it pretty. I just grab a handful of walnuts. I can't tell you how many times I've grabbed some walnuts or some almonds or some dried cranberries on my way to go teach a class. What I really like too are the frozen blueberries. Oh yeah, Beach loves so the frozen blueberries. Frozen blueberries, we buy huge bag because we make we put them in our smoothie. I'll just take a little scoopful out and eat those for like dessert or yeah. after a run. Like I just love the coolness of it and it's blueberries. Like what what greater way to get antioxidants into your system? Yeah, so if you don't have our cookbook, you need to get that Yogi Triathlete Cookbook High Vibe Recipes for the Athlete Appetite, and that's on Amazon. And then Carol's another question. This fall has been rough in terms of being overwhelmed by too many responsibilities. Any idea to reset with gratitude and refocus on my running? So whenever we're feeling overwhelmed, whenever we're feeling that like life is just too much, and we're in it. We've got the thoughts about it. We've got the feeling to back it up. When we're in that and we're indulging that, right? Because we, we are choosing our thoughts either consciously or subconsciously. We're blocking out the higher end, the opposite of that feeling overwhelmed. So this ties into gratitude. In moments where you feel like, oh my God, I don't have time or I don't want to do this, or I don't want this bill that just came in the mail. I don't, right? We're in resistance. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want. Focus on what is it in that moment that you can be grateful for. And I have practiced this so intensely over the last couple of years. What can I be grateful for? I can be grateful for the new leaf on the plant that I see that is unfolding, like that's a miracle. I can be grateful for the 10 bananas that I see on my fridge. I can be grateful for this amazing body that lets me move. I can be grateful for the $30 sheets that I got on Amazon that are so soft. I can be grateful for the fact that my I love my running shoes. I can be grateful for the fact that I get to breathe this breath. I can be grateful for the fact 
that I can hear the birds singing, that I have my hearing, that I can see the trees, that I can touch and feel the softness of my dog. There is so much to be grateful for in a moment. And so when you're feeling those low vibes, what can you be grateful for in the moment? And then I'm going to take the second part of your question and hand that over to BJ about how to get a refocus on running. To start with your responsibilities, though, this list of tasks that you have to do in a day, right? Because that's overwhelming. And then your run gets shifted to the end. In your morning meditation practice, you come out of that with a clear mind and you spend a minute or two, you take a piece of paper and you write down what you have to get done today, like what absolutely is a must to get done. And then there's things that you would like to do. And I can tell you, Facebook time, Instagram time, all of that's Netflix time is not going to be on there. It's, it's something that just happens. So if you want to make that part of your practice, you put that down on the paper. Otherwise, those things get pushed to the side because now you're saying you'd rather do those things than running. So let's just say you need to make dinner for the family. You have to, you know, get to work. And then you need to pick up your daughter at school. All right, after those things, what do you have? Well, you, you have the opportunity of, of 45 minutes. You, you figure out you have 45 minutes in between dinner and when you get home. Can, what can you do with that time? And it may be a 30-minute run and 50-minute prep for the following for the next day so that you can set yourself up for success for another run. You put your clothes together. You plan out a route close to work. Like these, these are the things. These are the, the very details that you need to pay attention to if running is important in your life. And if you're listening to this podcast, some sort of exercise is important in your life. And you guys, we're all out there to get better and achieve more, right? This is, we're, we're motivated people. You want to get back into running? It's not an all or nothing thing. It's not an all or nothing activity. You don't have to run your two hour long run every Sunday. You can get in 15 minutes on a run. You get 15 minutes in. It's the small things. It's the habit. It's getting back to the sport that you love. If it's something you love, you'll find a way to do it, right? We all make choices. So the choice to stay up late and watch Netflix or the choice to eat dinner, clean up, and go out for a 10-minute walk or run, that's a choice, and now you're telling the universe, I'm committed to this sport that I love. I actually love running. And it may open up feelings about why you do run. I just had this conversation with an athlete. Like, why do you really run? Like, why? What is your answer when someone asks you why you run? And don't give the surface answer. Like, I just love to get out there and, and enjoy it. Like, what is it deep down that is driving you to get out there every day and turn those feet over? When you get to that answer, you may be surprised super surprised at what you come up with. It may not be what you expected. And that's exactly what I was talking about with the gratitude practice. So instead of focusing on the things that are keeping you from running, focus on the things that you love about running and create more of that love in your life. And you'll realize that it becomes something that you're not willing, like I'm not willing to sacrifice my workouts or my meditation. And that doesn't mean that Workouts get cut, like for example, today when I literally ran into a tree and it sustained a head wound that was bleeding from the head, I had to cut my run a little bit short. And I'm fine with that, right? Because I wasn't planning on getting a head wound, but I got a little head wound today and 
it's just, that's, I just responded to that as like, okay, I'll just, I'll start heading home. I actually feel okay. I don't feel like I have a concussion. There's no brains on the floor. Like I'm doing, I'm doing okay here. So being flexible, but focusing on what you love, creating from the moment that you're in and being in the present moment doesn't mean that you can't in that present moment prep for your run tomorrow. You're setting the intention in that present moment. You're still living from that present moment. If you're just in the present moment consumed about, oh, how am I going to get this in tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't help. But what can I do right now in this present moment to set myself up for success for the next day and what I want to accomplish? Okay. And then the final thing is, she would love to know more about our plant-based pooch, Clark. Who would that be, Clark? Clark. Clark, who is killing it, killing it on our walk Friday night. Clark is kind of, he, kind of famous. The local celebrity here in town. Um, so here's the skinny on Clark. Clark just ate the food that our other dogs used to eat, and then I started to realize, like, ooh, I don't really like feeding him, even though I was feeding him top quality food. I was still like, ugh, I'm feeding him dead animals and I'm not all that great on it. But Clark's health is number one, okay? But even at one, he was one year old and he wasn't thriving. So then I went to a vegan dog food and he still wasn't thriving and he actually got fat. And I was like, oh man, what am I going to do? So Michelle May, who was a guest on our podcast, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's a great It's a great podcast with her. I met Michelle May through a trail of breadcrumbs that cannot be denied. And she assisted me. She just gave me that, like she just, overall, she just gave me like the permission that I was powerful enough to do this. She gave me kind of an outline of how I could feed him whole food, uh, plant-based diet and gave me a lot of information to back up why dogs can be really healthy on a plant-based diet. Now, cats, I understand, are different. Cats are carnivores. And so we don't have a cat, so right now I don't have to deal with that. But Clark is not, domesticated dogs are actually not carnivores. To tell you the truth, he is fit and fabulous and thriving on his plant-based diet. But make no mistake, if he wasn't, I would step up again and and work and and to find that perfect diet for him. But right now he's doing great. He's at his goal weight. Uh, he's killing it in town. And, uh, he just is so excited about his food. And I'm so excited about his food because I get to take a bite and I get to test it, which he's not too keen about, but I love the fact that I can eat his food. I can eat his food. So, uh, to go back to the cookbook, there is one of his staple meals is in the the last recipe in the cookbook as well. But he's doing great. And he's just, he was a gift. Clark was an unplanned child and we were going to move to Australia and Clark came bombing into our life and it became more of a kind of a rescue situation than, than a buying situation. And we got him out of there and he's been a gift. He's been an incredible gift in our life. He's, he's such a connector. He's, he is the connector for so many conversations we've had with strangers that lead to so much more in this town. And it's it's because of him. And people just look at him and he is joy. People see joy. Yeah, like I can't tell you how many times people have just like wanted to pet him. And then the next thing you know, we're teaching them how to meditate. 
I mean, it's just crazy. Right, it just sparks up the conversation. <laughs> it's, just, it's nuts. <laughs> so thanks for asking about Clark. Yeah. He's amazing, and he is very much on our Instagram feed, as um, as I know you are connected with us as well on Instagram. So keep checking it out. So hit us up if you guys have questions, and uh, we look forward to connecting with you again next month for Ask the YTs. Yeah, and October 20th, if you're local, October 20th, BJ and I are going to be down in Escondido, California at Slim Jim. We're going to take part in a wellness day down there. We're going to have cookbooks on hand. We'll be signing books and chatting with people and answering questions. And I don't know, I might lead a little meditation. We'll see how it goes. So Beej, why don't you take us out today on this episode? All right. Thank you all for listening, continuing to listen and supporting the podcast any way you do by listening, being a Patreon member, giving us a shout out on social media, the cookbook, everything. We, uh, We truly appreciate your support and we do this because we love it and because we're trying to change the world. 